0: Okay, that was the second time I played that clip. Um, but uh, how many of you have ever experienced the joy of being in a new relationship where you just couldn't get enough of just talking to each other and listening to each other? Uh, I'm, you know, 12 years into marriage, four kids down, and I, I had to have a dream to remember what that was like again when we could just like talk without interruptions and just loving to just be in this person's presence just to be able to hear more of what they wanted to say and get to know them and understand. And even you you find everything that they say so fascinating that you just are latching onto that, that you feel so alive. We experienced some of that uh, recently, as some of you know our story, as uh, I left uh, behind a law practice and a house in the suburbs uh, with our kids and our family to come here. And what we've experienced is that we've gained so much more by leaving in terms of what we are able to gain in terms of fulfilling what we believe is a calling to ministry and also a community that we would have never known if we never made that move in our lives. You can't get this treasure without giving up all of your things, but then the promise is you get everything. Please pray with me. Father, I'm humbled to be here uh, this afternoon, knowing that it is your word of God that is being preached, that is breathed out on us as seed to grow faith. Uh, Ask, Father, that you would just consecrate me to your service so that your voice would be heard in me as I attach myself to your word. Uh, This is a fearful to think that you would be using a sinner like me. But I pray, Father, that I would decrease so that you could increase. Uh, Thank you, Father, for already the ways that you've answered prayers that I cannot take any credit for, uh, the faithful prayers of uh, your people here. And also we pray and ask for more of your spirit here. Uh, We continue to pray for Pastor James as he recovers and goes through surgery on his uh, fractured elbow and his hands, um, and we continue just to pray that he would uh, be with you as he's recovering. Uh, and finally, Lord, I pray that above all, you would leave us here with your b- word burning in our hearts, that we would act on what we hear. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So following Jesus uh, <clears throat> is the name of uh, today's message, and to, to, for Jesus to say, follow me, was so rare In the Bible. In in the Old Testament, there was never any talk of people following God or a prophet, but it was only about obeying God and his statutes. Yet Jesus here is saying something very different that he's calling these four to himself, to follow him, and not just to obey rules. Uh, Back in the day, the Jewish rabbi students would be called to follow uh, the Torah, uh, not a particular rabbi. They would be called to, uh, like, uh, following, uh, to follow, in this sense, what Jesus is saying is linked to the person of Jesus. Uh, So Mark requires that anyone who says that you're going to follow Jesus, that there is this risk of faith that has to be taken with this step of action, that... Uh, For those who've experienced that here, Jesus is so worth it, much more than any of the alternatives to uh, his word or the alternatives to being here today. Uh, I was sick a couple weeks ago, and I'm still a little, uh, I have a little cough I'm still trying to get rid of, but even that week I didn't come. I could feel like uh, this, uh, maybe it was a sickness, but there was something that just, uh, I didn't feel like coming. You know, and, and I'm paid to come here. Um, but I can't imagine what it's like for the rest of you, how many other forces are at work to keep you away from gathering here to hear God's word, to experience him uh, through his spirit that happens when we come here to worship, which is a form of discipleship. I can't think about how, how many ways the enemy tries to get us out of his word into everything else, When we know, for those who've tasted this, there's nothing that compares to being in his word and experiencing Christ as a result of that. You can only know Jesus by giving up to follow him. You you can't follow him by just reading about how to do this. You can't follow him by holding on to the things without some change in your life, without Repentance, uh, repenting, that's what change ultimately means, is just to repent or to turn. And that actually brings joy in your life. It's, it's because it's not about what you give up, but it's about what you gain as a result. That you're, you're called into this relationship. Uh, this whole passage is about the calling of the first disciples. Uh, As I mentioned, if there's nothing else, just remember the title, Following Jesus or Follow Jesus. Three points that I'm going to just go through today are, uh, number one, Jesus calls. This is just from the first part of verse 17. Uh, Secondly, let Jesus make you, which is the second part of verse 17. And then third, leave, and that's from verse 18 and 20. This first point, uh, Jesus calls, it's actually we're talking about how you realize as part of following Jesus that Jesus is the one that calls you to follow him. It's not something you do. He calls you. Uh, It says in verse 14, uh, we're going to back up a little bit because I think that's where we left off uh, last week when Pastor James preached about baptism. Uh, We're going to start with verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then, what we started reading in verse 16 passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So, after we hear in verse 15 Jesus proclaiming, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, this was already kind of unusual because there had been no movement of God at that time for hundreds of years. So, for Jesus to say this, when he's saying the kingdom of God is at hand, people would have been expecting something big to happen. You know, if you think back to Moses going to the Egyptians to let the people go, you would think at the time, probably you'd think Jesus would be doing something like that, going to the Romans and saying to free the Israelites from being in captivity to the, to the Romans. And yet, in verse 16, this is what you find Jesus doing. His first recorded ministry act is not this amazing miracle, but just Jesus going by the Sea of Galilee, this suburban-like, slow town setting, and he's calling these four ordinary, relatively unimportant people to be with him. Huh. It kind of reminds me of what discipleship training is like. It's slow, it's not flashy, it takes time, but it's critical because Jesus is the one that will use these ordinary people and even often trembling and fearful people, as we'll see later on, to build his church and mission. We learn discipleship from this passage. What, what is discipleship? Well, we see here, these are four men that Jesus first calls to form this inner ring around Jesus, his first discipleship group. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Uh, you know John. John wrote the book of John, first, second, third John. Uh, you know James, wrote the book of James. Uh, Peter it was the other uh, one in his inner ring of three that uh, this book uh, is heavily based upon uh, his narrative. And then there's Andrew. So there's John. We we actually learn um, for Andrew that in John chapter one, Andrew was the first one to follow Jesus. That he uh, was originally, along with his brother Peter, uh, part of John the Baptist's disciples. And John the Baptist uh, pointed to Jesus and said, "Look, here here's the Lamb of God," and Andrew is the first to follow, and then bring his brother Peter along. Um, so this is almost a sense of a, a, a recalling of of these disciples after their leader, John the Baptist, was arrested. Uh, These are two parallel stories in this short passage of two pairs of brothers that we find in other accounts, they're they're business partners. But they're they're forming a, a spiritual partnership here, a fellowship, that it's only within this fellowship that Jesus' call can be heard and obeyed. That Jesus, after being by himself, The last account that we saw what he was doing was he was being tempted by Satan, by himself. And so, after he comes into Galilee and making this proclamation of the kingdom of God being at hand, the first thing he does is to recruit these four to be with him. Uh, Think about uh, times that you've invested in people, in, uh, I guess, what our church has called DNA groups in the past or discipleship groups. Uh, Think of Uh, two years in my last church of investing every other week in a group of three or four guys, uh, not thinking that it measured up to much, just, you know, praying with them, trying to get each other into the word, keeping each other accountable to loving our wives, our kids, those around us, uh, accountable to reaching out uh, to others so that we could be making disciples uh, after we, in turn, are being discipled, and It became quickly to fruition after this past year when this man that I discipled suddenly was asked to step in as the main elder of the church, and I was so grateful to see just his faithfulness in discipleship being used to prepare him for greater and larger roles that God was asking him to do. Verse 17 says this, that, and Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. You see, the heart of discipleship is just that follow Jesus. And it's to adopt Jesus' values and his lifestyle. He says, follow me. That's it. If you're sitting here today and you're wondering, how does this apply to me? How does what Jesus said to these initial disciples, you know, over a couple thousand years ago apply? Well, if you call yourself a Christian, you probably know that means little Christ. And then you probably know that that implies that you follow Christ, so so this ultimately applies directly to you, that discipleship or learning to be like Jesus, to follow him, is, is not an option if you call yourself a Christian. Th- this call or an invitation is to this full-time apprenticeship. Um, I'm going to try not to offend people because I know people from various schools here, but I think there's a, always been a good representation of SAIC students here. And I don't know much about your field, but if you had the opportunity to learn from the greatest artist or the greatest architect, you would probably jump at that opportunity to be mentored or to do an apprenticeship with whoever is the top artist of the field. Uh, Like I said, I was trying not to offend people, but if you're a University of Chicago student or alum, you probably would be impressed if you had an opportunity to learn from the greatest Nobel Prize winner that ever lived, right? And you could learn how to win Nobel Prizes. Is that how it works? Not really, okay, sorry, sorry. I don't want to offend anyone. How about this, if you had the opportunity, if you were interested in basketball and Steph Curry was teaching how to shoot three pointers, that would be an opportunity if you were interested in learning how to shoot the three. He'd be the one you'd want to learn from, right? And so usually it's the students that goes to great teachers to learn. But here, Jesus completely flips this around. It's not the student that has to initiate with the greatest teacher of all time. But here, it's the greatest teacher that goes pursuing his very ordinary, untrained students. So so being a disciple of Jesus is not really something that we accomplish. But it's more, it's a gift given to us. That Jesus is simply modeling what he is calling Us to do in fishing for men, ultimately. It's important to just wrestle with what Jesus is saying here. He only says this one line in this passage follow Jesus, follow Him. It's not uh, looking in our way of understanding followers, looking to see who to follow on your Instagram or how many followers you have. It's, it's not about following the bears, especially after this past uh, Thursday. I, I never want to watch another Bears game. It's not about following other men. It's important not to get that order, right? You're, you're to fish for men, right? And, and, and follow Jesus. And yet, how often it is that we reverse that and we follow men. And then in our spare time, we try to fish for Jesus. It's also unusual here that these fishermen, as they're being called to being disciples of the greatest teacher, this kind of transition did not require any biblical knowledge, didn't require any professional training, but everything that was needed was just simply to follow Jesus. Verse 17 goes on to say, Follow me, and I will make you become Fishers of men. I want to say that thoroughly because I think when I first read this, I was so quick, Um, just like the, the initial clip that was mistakenly played, to just jump to thinking, oh, this is just about fishing for men. But you're skipping everything that Jesus said before that. It's follow me and I will make you become. The second point is just let Jesus make you or in the cold context let Jesus make you become fishers of men I will make is what he says our job is first to follow not to be fishers we don't know how we just follow and he is the one to make us see the the end we see is to be missional but the first step that we can't skip and we have to keep going back to is always, always, always to follow him as the priority and let him be the one to make us. It's not to be fishers first and then to follow him. It's not even to be a skilled fisher of men first and then follow him before you can follow him. But Jesus says, follow me even as untrained as you are and I will make you become fishers of men. Again, this—you know, I was having to get this drilled in my head, that this is not about being missional, this passage, about how to fish for men. It's not about some commentaries that I read that you're learning this technique of using the gospel to cast a net over men and going where the fish are. What I realized is that this is all about following Jesus, about discipleship when we realize that fishing for men, or evangelism if you want to call that, is not done from our own ability, then we start learning how to depend on and obeying Jesus. It's just learning to follow Jesus and letting him make us become fishers via his word and his spirit and his community. It's not by using our own efforts to try and hook people or even developing relationships to to fish for men. It's, It's focusing on following Jesus, going where he goes, thinking where He what he thinks about, and he is going to be the one that will transform us. In the Old Testament, uh, fishing for people was actually a very negative term. It was known uh, it was for judgment. It was talking about calling Gentiles, hooking them back from the idols in their lives uh, in the books like J- uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Uh, it, it implies that this is about in this context, when Jesus is talking about fishing, saving people from judgment by fishing for them. So the question is, how much of this could you actually do on your own strength? Uh, To save people by forgiving sin and empowering people via the Holy Spirit to uh, live for Christ and and not uh, be enslaved to sin? Uh, to, to raise people from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive, which only he can do y- you can 't do this in our three p m prayer meeting before this Grace was sharing a story about this pastor that she knows that was explaining to her this th- about this that that we only we as people only know how to fish by killing fish by, by, we can only kill things when we when we fish and we get them out and it 's only Jesus that can fish for people to bring them to life so that we can only follow him and let him make us become. It's again not about you or your ability. How else are you going to know his power? It's not about you trying to be more bold, but it's simply to follow him, to become more like him by being with him. And letting him change you as a result of that. Some of you took the reveal survey that our church did uh, last year, which gave some uh, convicting and um, uh, cr- uh, critiques of our church. One being that our church, uh, in their opinion, needed to really focus on spiritual maturity and developing our people. That that discipleship seemed to be a very weak spot in our church. It makes me think, as a church, uh, do we need to repent in ways that we've perhaps been prideful about being missional, that that we've perhaps looked down on other churches for being too insular or slow in focusing on discipleship just for Christians. But you can't take a shortcut through this to being missional. Jesus says, I shall make you become fishers of men. It seems like a process. And for those who've gone through it, it's a painfully slow process at times. That it seems like our church has had a great start of starting with this authentic community, knowing that they are the beloved of God because of Christ alone, in spite of their sin. And there seems to have been a really good end vision of being uh, missional or missional living. But what seems to be needed is this core value of what is in between that, the beginning and the end. And it seems that discipleship relationships by following Jesus and letting him make us has to be what bridges that gap. We know, I don't want to ignore the last part of being fishers of men, that he makes us become that. Then that is what the second part of discipleship is, a call to win people to him. It's interesting to note that Jesus calls people where they're at. He doesn't call people in the temple, but he goes to their fishing places, their marketplace during their time. makes me wonder, shouldn't we do the same in looking at missions in that way for us to be fishing for people in the marketplace? Verse 18 says, And immediately they left their nets and followed him. This is the third point. Leave. The disciples' immediate response to Jesus' call is is not to fish for people, but it was to leave. And this is the context of leaving your life to follow Jesus. The order, actually, after Jesus calls them is that they leave, then they follow Jesus, then they let him make them become before they become fishers at the end, right? It's this idea that's in Scripture in the Gospels of losing your life to find it. I was looking in Matthew where this appears twice and the two contexts matches up with this passage of leaving your nets and your dad behind. That it was a scandalous call what Jesus did. But in Matthew 10 where this lose your life to find it is found, Jesus says before that, whoever loves father or mother or even son or daughter, more than me is not worthy of me. In Matthew chapter 16, where it says, Lose your life to find it again, right comes after that is saying that Jesus says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? A few chapters later in Mark 8, we'll see Jesus saying, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. This is a call we see they leave. They immediately left their nets and followed him. This was their livelihood, that Jesus is, in a sense, trying to heal the people, not just from diseases, but also from slavery to materialism. In that day, how much fish do you think you need to catch before it's ever enough for you? It's to give up what hinders you from following Jesus, this initial call, which is our central calling that our lives should revolve around. But this is a calling more about a prophet than a teacher because Jesus is not there just to teach them how to fish He's expecting, like a prophet, a radical leaving of everything, including one's career and family. It's this emphasis of leaving and giving up that is required to follow Jesus, to prioritize Jesus over your career and family. That though not everyone is required to give up all, it is about leaving behind the nets that hinder you from following Jesus and this is something that would emphasize when you follow Jesus there is a huge change in your life when you start fishing for people and not just for fish if you remember right before this passage in verse 15 I read uh, Jesus saying repent and believe in the gospel isn't this a good illustration of that what I mean is that you may say you believe in the gospel, but if you are not willing to leave behind all, do you really believe? It's not just that you repent and believe, but the direct application of that is to leave and follow, as what we see in the first just a couple verses after that. There was a Princeton Seminary study where the seminary students each had to give a talk on the Good Samaritan parable and they were instructed that each of you are going to go to this place to give this talk on the Good Samaritan after you've heard it and had a chance to study it, but you have to be on time and you have to make sure you don't keep your audience waiting. And then what they did was they planted a poorly dressed man lying on the ground on the way to get to that, uh, their time to teach on the Good Samaritan parable. Pretty, pretty ingenious. The, the question is, of these seminary students, how many do you think actually stopped to help this guy on the ground? It was 40%. In the same way, we can know we are to follow Jesus, but if riches and wealth and relationships and jobs were planted right in front of us, How many of us would still choose to follow Jesus over these? We can be freed from our idols, but there are even good things that can hinder us from following Jesus. We see in this passage, you leave your nets and your family. There's nothing wrong necessarily with these things, but they must be left if they hinder us from following Jesus. Discipleship is not a program. It's not about self-help. It's relational, and it's about following your primary relationship with Jesus by losing our lives to follow him. It's it's taking up our cross, if we're going to call ourselves Christian, in order to gain everything that is worthy and valuable for eternity. This parallel passage I'll just read in the the last part of this passage, 19 and 20. And going on a little farther, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. See, not, not all the disciples were as poor as one might think. The sons of Zebedee here could hire workers. So James and John were giving up a lot in the security of money and of comfort to follow Jesus. Uh, Back in the Greek-Roman world, fish was the main protein source. So these were skilled workers, but also shrewd businessmen because they had to compete with the fishermen from the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, Galilee fish were actually very competitive as prized uh, fish. So they were giving up a lot to follow Jesus. I I think of this as uh, an example to, to end this point of leaving your life. If you were walking along and you fell off a cliff and you were able to cling on to your dear life by a branch that was hanging out that was a couple feet from the ground that you couldn't get yourself up but you were alive because you clung on to this branch and someone comes along, let's say uh, for purposes of this illustration, say it's Jesus. Jesus comes and he's reaching down to help you up, to save you but you're holding on to this branch for dear life because that's your livelihood. But Jesus is extending his hand down to you, saying, I can save you, I can free you. But you're too afraid, and you're clinging on to this branch for dear life. This illustration is that in order for you to be saved, you have to let go of that branch. In the same way, you have to leave what is hindering you in order to follow Jesus, for him to save you. Uh, to, to end questions you can think about in your small groups that are uh, this is uh, for those who came out of InterVarsity they do a great manuscript study on Mark that uh, many of us have been uh, grown up uh, thinking about and a common question is uh, what, what are those nets e- even, even good things must you leave behind in your life to follow Jesus to put it even more practically every day are you willing to drop everything to follow Jesus? Even if it's for a few minutes, like in your quiet times, to spend in his word and in prayer, are you, are you willing to choose that and give up your sleep, your, your workouts, your time on Instagram or sports checking or, or your, your, even your kids and obviously your career? When Jesus says, follow me, He's not asking us to do any more than what he modeled for us. So as we close, we give all because Jesus is the one who gave all and emptied himself for us on the cross. He's only asking us to do what he did. That Jesus himself came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many on the cross. How can we, beloved, expect to do any differently if we are going to follow him? The last point, you probably saw the word immediately that appears all throughout Mark. I know some of you have picked up the, this thing that we're, we're selling that I think it's great that small, some small groups are able to detach from the world, to be able to just get into the text and make notes. Um, and throughout the book, immediately appears, uh, just as in, just in this short passage, it appears twice. The first time in correlation with the response of the disciples to Jesus saying, follow me, they immediately, it says, left their nets behind. Right? this disciple's immediate and complete obedience to Jesus' call to leave everything that they had to follow him. I think we might be tempted to make the mistake to think that the moral of this is to be more like the disciples. That you should try to just drop everything to follow Jesus like Simon did. I guess if some of us kind of fear what this is looking like? Do you you fear that you cannot be like Simon? You know, if if you look at chapter 1, how these initial four disciples are portrayed, do you know this is the best it ever got for them? You know, it never goes as well for them ever again in the whole book of Mark and in the rest of the Gospels, that this was as good as it got. That I love the book of Mark how real it is because it ends, the real ending of Mark before they tacked on the, the, the uh, part two uh, secondary director's cut version is just that it ended with them in fear and in trembling and it ends. After Jesus was crucified and he resurrected and they couldn't find him and that was it. And, and, and so this chapter one where they have this immediate call that they immediately follow is the best that they'll ever look. Because we know in John chapter 1 verse 42, this is what it says about Jesus and Peter. It says this, Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John? You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And we know that in the Aramaic and the Greek, Cephas and Peter, it means rock. Huh. If it wasn't so bizarre, this would be just so funny to think about Jesus calling this guy Simon, he's going to rename him rock. Because if you know throughout scripture, he was anything except a rock, right? Right? This was the guy that was saying that even if he has to die with Jesus, he would never, ever deny him. And though every all these other disciples, even though they may fall away, I, I'm never going to fall away from you. This was the guy that rebuked Jesus, and then Jesus called him Satan. And this is the guy that continued to act impulsively, spontaneously, erratically cutting people's ears off. Uh, this is the rock. This is the guy that betrayed And cursed Jesus in denying him not just once not just twice but three times and the book then what's left of him is just seeing that the book ends with him in fear and in trembling this guy this is the rock this is the the greatest failure in Christian church history and yet It's all about following Jesus. He's the one that calls. He called Peter. He makes Simon becomes Peter, the rock and the fisher of men, to become arguably the greatest church leader who ever lived. Beloved, this is today's message. Following Jesus involves knowing that Jesus is the one that calls. Let Jesus make you and leave your life behind to follow him. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Please pray with me.